La pendule fait tic-tac, tic-tic. Les oiseaux du lac, pic-pac, pic-pic. Glou, 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 font tous les dindons. Et la jolie cloche, ding ding dong Mais boum, quand notre cœur fait boum. Tout avec lui dit boum. Et c'est l'amour qui s'éveille. Bonjour Rugby Friends and welcome to the last episode of the French Rugby Connection Season 2 with moi, Véronique Lindieu, and my um, co-host. Me, myself, Mike Pierce. Yes, yeah, so finally it, after 26 weeks. Wow, I know, it's been a long season, hasn't it? And what a game, what a game in the Stade de France, you know, we knew that, you know, after 12 minutes, yeah. you know, three tries had been scored, that it would have been really, really hard for Cass. What do you thought about that game? I was disappointed with Cass because I thought it would be a bit more of a competitive game. But I mean, as you say, the match was lost in the opening 11 minutes. Tries by Vincent after five minutes and Verhaar after nine minutes. Um, and then, of course... Um, Castro lost their playmaker, Uda Paletta, after after 12 minutes. They were 12 nil down. And they had to start playing an unusual game for them. They had to start playing catch-up early. And, of course, they had no recognised fly-half replacement on the bench. So, they, you know, after 12 minutes, they were really on a hiding to nothing. On top of that, they made far too many errors. Very early on, they missed a penalty. And they had a kick to touch, uh, hoping for a five-metre line-out, a penalty kick. But that went into the dead ball area. So, you know, it was compounded error after error. And, of course, Montpellier, they dominated the gain line throughout. Uh, you know, really, 23-3 down at half-time. You know, the game was well and truly over, wasn't it? Yes, I think they were not themselves, you know. Being, no. They were the firm favourite, you know, to win, to win the Bouclier de Brenus, but somehow, no, it, they didn't gel. They made some unexplained mistakes, whereas Montpellier were really raring to go. Yeah, and they took their chances, didn't they? I mean, I've never seen a final where, uh, I mean, the Montpellier bench was celebrating from the TV pictures with 10 minutes to go. They're all hugging each other and... You know, I've, that, that's unheard of, isn't it? Yes. In the opening 75 minutes of the game, opening 75 minutes, Castroni scored three points from a penalty. You know, so, I mean, really, really, really. They're going to, that's going to really hurt them. Not so much losing, you know, that's bad enough, but I think the manner of their defeat, when, when, if you lose to, a, uh, you know, when you've, you've played as well as you can, it's, it's, a, it's sort of acceptable, but um, I think this defeat will will haunt them for quite some time. I think as play better when they are seen as being outsiders rather than favourites. It's part of the DNA to be the one that nobody expects, which uh, which worked for them, you know, which worked to their favour because in the, uh, they finished, you know, top of the top 14. Yeah. So, um, I mean, kudos to them and they will learn from the lesson. And they, if you look at the final in 2018, you know, they... They won against Montpellier, so yeah, yeah, it's, payback uh, time. Exactly, it was payback time for for Montpellier, and uh, well, they they won the le bouclier de Brenus, the trophy, top fourteen trophy, a few times. So whereas for Montpellier, it was phenomenal because yeah. you know, like we said last week, it's a very young club, founded in nineteen eighty six, and uh, the owner, the billionaire Mouad Mouad Altred. Well, Altrad, sorry, um, invested over 100 million yeah. euros. 
yeah. you know. So he really needed to see some silverware, which he won last year for the yes, Cup. yeah, of course, yeah. And uh, yeah, the first ever uh, French trophy, you know, which is actually the top fourteen in France to a certain extent is more important than than the European Cup. Yes, yeah, oh yeah, and of course, you know, I mean, Dumaru was immense in defence. Um, camera, he worked tirelessly, but I thought Zach Mercer was absolutely outstanding. Everything he did, I mean, even Grubber kicked through for Vincent's try. You know, he was absolutely outstanding and quite deservedly, I think, got the man of the match. Definitely, he seems to be doing really, really well. I know that Eddie Jones had his eyes on him. You know, went to see him yeah. when he did his little French visit last year. Um, but but Zach Mercer is happy to play for Montpellier. It's, it's a good way for him for Zach Mercer to gain some experience and and to discover himself as a player and to discover the top fourteen. Which absolutely, is, uh... yeah, it's it's all part of his <laughs> rugby learning, isn't it? But. I think we've got to make a mention to our friend Guillaume Girardo. Unfortunately, had to go off after 26 minutes with a with a head injury. But, you know, it's just typical of him, isn't it? He just runs off, you know, quietly, <laughs> you know, no fuss, no pomp, no ceremony. Um, that's just typical of the man, understated, always putting the team first. But... I think was he was hoping to get back on the pitch, you know. <laughs> I think that's the reason why, you know, that but obviously his last game of his yeah. career, you don't want to take any risk. No unnecessary risk. I would but imagine the... I would imagine his headache is even worse now because it looks like the celebrations went on for quite a few days down there. It's still going on. So celebration <laughs> started, obviously, uh, at the end of the game. Apparently, they were spraying themselves with beer and so on. They yeah. were wearing some scuba diving masks, you know, <laughs> oh, to avoid, you know, the, the spray. We saw the videos of them in, in, a, in yeah. a bath. Yeah. Uh, and then on Sunday in Montpellier as well. And they threw, you know, the, the bouclier de Poenus as well to the crowd as well, which yeah, was quite... fabulous, uh, isn't it? Yes, and they went to Barcelona, so they were still celebrating oh, were yesterday. Okay. Yes, it's non-stop, you know. Wow, it's a, whoa, yeah. I think, but there are, some of them look a bit pale right now. I think they need to give their, <laughs> their liver a detox. Yeah. But uh, yes, Montpellier, well done to you. And I have to raise my beret to my lovely friend and uh, our former guest last year, Philippe Saint-André. I was yeah. so happy for him. Because yeah, delighted, yeah. He did say, he did say in an interview, I think, with L'Equipe, he said, you know, uh, he thanked Altrad to welcome him. Yeah. I mean, to, to first of all, you give him a ring and ask him to join. And he said, well, at least Moed uh, <laughs> Altrad had the balls to believe in him. Yeah, sure. Uh, the last year they had, uh, as coach, they had uh, Xavier Garbajosa, yeah. who was sacked because yeah. they were lagging. They were non, Position number 13, then they kept losing games after games after games. And, uh, and Philippe Tendré, you know, as I said, put back his training suit on. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And they ramped up, but only, I think they only ramped up on the 25th meeting. So it was really touch and go. Yeah. They had so. a, they really picked up right at the death of the season, didn't they? And, um, then carried that form on into, into this season. Yeah. Absolutely. And if you think about, you know, Montpellier, I remember speaking with Alex Lozovsky as well last year. He was saying, you know, uh, there seemed to be more gelling between the players, you know, trying to forge sort of identity. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And if you look at the players, you know, they got less high profile players. André Pollard uh, will no longer play for Montpellier. I forgot where yeah. he's going. Uh, Is he Lester. going to? All right. Okay. Yeah. 
And talking about English club, that reminds me that um, Philippe Saint-André is the only coach, French coach, that won a championship in England with Sale. Okay, that's a good and, start. Uh, and, and Montpellier, so well, well, well done. done. So I think, yeah, you be, he was the coach of Bar, of Gloucester. Yes, that's right. And sell, and I think yeah. won the championship for sell. It must be on cloud night, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, the party went on. So yeah, it's a team that would definitely need to be to be accounted for the top forty next year. Well, you know, I was looking at uh, Mid Olympic today, and they've already got some of the pre-season um, friendly matches arranged for next month. And you're thinking, gosh, <laughs> you know, the players are going to get hardly any break at all, are they? Particularly those that are out with the French team in Japan as well. I mean, wow, what a what a workload those boys have. Yes, yeah. But, but uh, they, they still have um, about three, four weeks holiday. You know, it's not too bad <laughs> to recover. You know, it's, uh, so uh, they will, hopefully they will start uh, feeling re- refreshed. So... Top 14 is over for this season, but it is. what will happen in uh, Japan tomorrow, Mike? In Japan, France are playing Japan uh, at 7am British time. It's live on Premier Sports. Uh, yet. Uh, and, and TV 5 Monde as well. If you is it? To, okay. If you don't have access to Premier Sports, you can Fair watch enough. free of charge uh, going to the website of TV 5 Monde. Yeah, it's a huge day of rugby tomorrow. I mean, it's like uh, uh, New Zealand, Ireland at 8 o'clock, Australia, England at 11 o'clock, South Africa against Wales at 4 o'clock, and Argentina against Scotland at 8 o'clock. So, um, yeah, there's not going to be much work done tomorrow. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, amazing. And the Tour de France as well to watch. But oh, that's a different wow, matter. Yeah. <laughs> Blimey. But it's, yeah, really, really and Wimbledon. We those. Yeah, the humidity is very high in, in Japan. I believe it's 80% and temperatures yeah. like over 35 degrees. The, the players are really suffering in terms of, you know, throwing ball and so on. It's very slippery, that's what oh, okay. that's, that's I was, uh, was looking for. So hopefully it won't be detrimental to their performance. We're hoping they are going to win, but we don't know. We don't know yeah, the Japan. Yeah, exactly. They're a useful team, aren't they? And and of course, France with you know most of their big stars being rested. It'd be interesting to see how they get on. So the good news is that uh, Charles Olivon is back. It is good news. Very good news. Yes. Uh, in terms of the nine and ten, we'll see Maxime Lucuyes and Mathieu Jalibert. Yeah. So Both nice for... to see Jalibert wearing the blue jersey yeah. again. Well, yeah, both Bordeaux halfbacks, so they'll certainly know each other's play pretty well. And I'm also excited to see on the wing Matisse Labelle of Toulouse. I've been very impressed by him this season. I'm glad he's getting the chance. He's had three caps already for France. He's only 23, but um, I think he could be a, a, a real star for the future. Definitely. And number 14 on the other side of the wing, we've got yeah. Renault. Damien. Yeah, Damien Penaud, uh, centre. So, yeah, great, great uh, opportunity for them. Certainly, uh, you know, in place of um, Monsieur Dupont and Monsieur Tamak, they uh, big shoes to fill. Yes, and Vakatawa is back. He is, for me. Um, 
31 caps, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he's the most cap player um, on the field tomorrow. Yes, yes, he is. Um, very inexperienced side. Um, yeah, Danny Preso back with 15 caps. But yeah, um, not much uh, not much experience out there, certainly international experience. But um, yeah, I think it's going to be a fascinating game. It'd be quite interesting to see how, because Japan, you know, they're, they're pretty useful, aren't they? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, and in the forwards, we got Gros, Aka, Bamba, Flamand, who played with the French team, I believe, in yeah. the Six Nations. Yeah, he's, he's had eight caps. Yes, yeah, so he's got a bit of experience there. Mm-hmm. He had such an interesting journey. He used to be a student at uh, Loughborough. Did he? <laughs> And from okay. there, yeah, he played for them team, you know, and from <laughs> Loughborough. Yeah, wow. It's a long story, but he yeah. ended up in a, playing for Les Bleus, which is absolutely amazing, unusual. Five, you got Jolms. And then, obviously, I mentioned, you know, um, Olivon, the lovely yeah. Olivon, who is back. Next to uh, eight, we got Tonga, Yohanan Tonga, and uh, Crotin. Yeah. Yeah, good, useful pack there. Definitely. And COVID has hit, you know, the coaching staff. But Sean Eward apparently should be on his way soon to Japan. Okay. But none of the guys, all the guys, have been hit by COVID. They're all safe and sound. Good. So, yeah, tomorrow, don't forget your alarm clock. is going to start really early at 7 o'clock in the morning. So, news. Do you have any news? Uh, I think we've all been sort of looking back and thinking about, you know, what a wonderful top 14 season it was. I mean, it was ultra competitive. We went into the last Saturday not knowing who had qualified for the knockout stages. So, yeah, it really was an incredible season, I think. One other bit of news. Next season's top 14 semifinals will be held in Spain, in the Basque Country, in San Sebastian. So, that will be a... A cracking weekend away, I would think. That's interesting. Hmm. Especially with what's what's been happening, you know, with Spain being disqualified from the World Cup. Yeah. Yeah, that's a whole whole new can of worms, isn't it, to get into? <laughs> yes, but we won't go through that anyway. This is called a French rugby connection podcast, not the the not the uh <laughs> Spania. Spanish yeah, rugby, rugby podcast. So this week, Mike, I had a guest. Did you? Yes, I had a French author who wrote an educational book um, pertaining training amongst the, the amateur, amongst young children. Okay. And it's called The Art of the War of Rugby. Okay. So I had to use the help or in some part of our friend uh, Tom Dixon to okay. do the translation. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a book which, which was released last year. It's available on Amazon, and so far it has sold about 1,800 copies. Wow. 
That's pretty impressive. Yes. And he's a volunteer trainer. And he used to play for Massey many years ago. So he knows all about rugby. But I hope you'll enjoy my chat with him. Je suis très contente que vous ayez accepté de, de participer à, ce, uh, à, à notre chat. I'm really happy you have accepted to say yes. So, Xavier, you are a best-seller author of a book called... So, can you tell me more about it? Hello, and thank you for inviting me on your pod. I've seen how prestigious your guests are, so I'm humble and honoured to be invited to be part of it, Veronique. You're very kind. I have played rugby, but not at top level. In Massey Sports Club, north of Paris, where there aren't very many sports clubs, but a very important sports club. First of all, I was a coach, I was a player in a sport du mass, where everyone got stuck in. There's no selection criteria, everyone just enjoyed it. Secondly, at Massey, uh, it, I really did get involved. As you know, it's a really well-known training ground that supplies lots of people for the top ranks. And I was a trainer there for the Super Challenge, which was the under-14s, where I thoroughly enjoyed it and had great fun. We saw come through our ranks fantastic players like uh, Mathieu Bastero, And they really came there with the most modest of pretensions and ended up being global superstars. So uh, Massey is very happy for that. I'm a father of a Pro Day Deux player. My son is in the espoir of a Northern team. And I seek to coach him and look at new ways of coaching people. So that's what brings me here today to you. The book is called Art de la Guerre du Rugby. The Art of the War of Rugby. But actually, it's least important about war. My motivation was firstly my son, who uh, was a late grower. He wasn't initially very strong. He had his dream of playing top-level rugby, and is still going, still improving, but he has small physique. So it had to be clever. It's easy to be good at rugby if you're 140 kilos and uh, seven foot tall, But for those people who aren't, the dream has to still be alive. And that's where this book comes in. It's taking it on an individual training level of looking at the collective, the wider story, the rugby intelligence of seeing what's happening around the field. Physicality is not the number one skill on a rugby field for most of the people. And so this was why I wrote this book, to share the perhaps not straightforward view that it that it is modern management training that can help in rugby far more than going to the gym five days a week, four hours a day. I hope that makes it clear. How would you classify your book? Is it a philosophy book? Is it a training book? Or is it a mixture of both? The book does not make you a technical rugby wizard. It's more a philosophy. It's sell, not tell. I firmly believe that if you ask somebody to do something, they may or may not succeed. If they don't have the tools, if they don't have the understanding, they're quite likely to fail. You have to sell the idea. You have to explain why you're doing 
and where it sits in the big picture. And this is an internalization of the targets of a group. It's where you want to be collectively. It's taking the big picture, not the short-term run. Um, in many ways, this is a, my book, Large La Guerre du Rugby, The Art of War of Rugby, is a management book or teaches you how to manage in your personal life. I hope this gives people pause for thought and a wider idea of how you can involve people by responding to their innate intelligence rather than their physicality. But I was very lucky to have some great beings in the galaxy of rugby to write very kind words about my book. You mentioned Romain Poit and Eric Jean. I don't necessarily know these people. I may have crossed them a few times. So it's very kind of them to be so positive and to give their time to read it, their time to think about it, and their, their very kind feedback. So what is also interesting is that I got feedback from the rugby world, not just in France, but Ireland, Scotland, wherever. And all of this, it, it, it is a story of rugby, so I'm very happy. Tell me more about the title. Where does it stem from? I called it the Art de la Guerre de Rugby, and it's a play on words because there's an extremely famous book, Art de la Guerre, The Art of War, written by Sun Tzu thousands of years ago, a Chinese warrior. And it, he really emphasized how knowing your adversary and planning your battles and playing your own game can lead you to victory without even having to fight sometimes, but certainly teaches you the best way of achieving victory. So the book is open to interpretation, it's open to finessing, you can change it any way you want, but the basis of it is an intelligent overview of the game ahead of you so that you can bring victory over your adversary. Do you think that Christophe Urios has read your book by chance? Christophe Urios, uh, we love him, wouldn't we? Don't I would adore to know whether or not he had read my book, and I would adore to know his reactions. And if you have, if you have his contact details, I will happily send him a copy. How do people get hold of me? Well, LinkedIn is the best way. Through the book and the links and through Google is obviously a, a way forward too. But I'm open to all suggestions and all talks and lectures. There's lots to say about this. And as you know, I have a background in advertising agency. So... Yes. So tell me, Xavier, so what's next for you? Are you going to have this wonderful book translated into English? Uh, yes, of course. Uh, oui, tout à fait. Je, je travaille sur une, une version en anglais. Mon, mon souhait, si vous pouvez m'aider à trouver des contacts pour avoir une maison d'édition en Angleterre, uh, je, je cherche à le faire sortir dans, dans tous les pays où le, où le rugby est, est une petite religion, on va dire. Uh, et puis, uh, entre autres, aussi beaucoup aux USA dans quelques temps, puisqu'ils vont uh, faire aussi la Coupe du monde de rugby et qu'ils ont beaucoup, beaucoup besoin d'être formés, beaucoup plus qu'en Angleterre, où vous maîtrisez plutôt bien le bien le rugby, mais ouais, ouais, j'aimerais que ce soit partagé. Plus la société, plus le monde jouera au rugby, plus la société sera belle. Donc, il faut qu'ils sortent partout. Absolutely. So Xavier was saying that the translated version into English is taking place as we speak. 
And uh, and he's now looking for publishing houses, you know, to help him publish this book. Uh, There is an area in the UK where he sees the rugby being developed. It's uh, the United States. So he thinks that it would be very useful, you know, to have that book translated into English. To be continued. Alors, bah, écoute, euh, Xavier, merci beaucoup de, de ton temps. Euh, bonne chance pour, euh, pour la suite. Et puis, bonne chance surtout à, au, à ton fils qui est dans le, dans les, euh, dans les, qui, qui est lui-même joueur dans, au rugby. So, hey, all the best. It's been a pleasure to speak to you. Good luck for everything with your book. And say hi to uh, your son, who is also a rugby player in Rouen as a scrum half. Thank you, uh, thank you all for your time. Uh, merci beaucoup. Um, as we say in your country, a good game. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, good game. Yes, except you know I'm French, but in England, so I was. Yeah, those those were the time of of the what the crunch used to be. With, uh, so it's been a pleasure. Allez, au revoir. Bonne journée. Au revoir. Merci à vous. Okay, but I could merci beaucoup. So, Mike, you've been busy. I've seen you. I've seen you around. You know, we're promoting the Blues Brothers. Tell me the, more about it. How the is it Blues going? Blues Brothers. Yeah, it's been released now. It's available from Amazon. Priced five ninety nine, including postage, or if you want electronic Kindle copy, it's four ninety nine. Uh, it's a book I wrote. We have mentioned it several times throughout the season, but it features a team of fifteen players who span the re- the generations. Each one of them's got an interesting story. You know, we talk about murder, attempted suicide, fleeing fascist regimes, the creation of a multi million dollar, a multi million euro even fashion company and also recollections of the players dirtiest and most glorious matches the game has ever seen i said it's called the blue blues brothers it's available from amazon and a forward by mr nigel owens mbe and uh, who are the players that feature in your book right well as i say there's 15 chapters one to 15 um in in relation to the positions so number one is prop pascal on darts number two is guillaume girado number three is gerard Scholli. number four is walter spangero number five sebastian chabal there's plenty to write about him chapter six jean-pierre rive it could be anybody else could it chapter seven is uh Serge Betsen. Chapter eight is Marc Session. I'm trying to remember the board now. Chapter nine is that fiery little character, Philippe Carbonneau, the scrum half who played for Breve. Number 10, uh, all round nice guy, wealthy man, good looking chap, Frank Manel. Uh, number 11, Johan Uge. Uh, chapter 12 is. Matty uh, Bastaro, chapter 13. Well, number 13 shirt could only be Philip Seller, and number 14 is Aurelian Rougeri. So, not everybody's choice of players, but some players I couldn't get interviews with. Some players 
it didn't have that interesting backstory. So really, it's a it's a combination of of all those factors. Each one has got an interesting story. Plus, you know, we look at where they come from in France, the culture, the cuisine. So a nice little book to take on holiday. I say quite a reasonable. I've got it out as cheap as I can, to be honest. So yeah, if you fancy copy, please go on Amazon. And among your um the players you mentioned I had the chance to speak yeah. with the wonderful Jean-Pierre Yves, yeah. magical Franck Minel, and the awesome Philippe Sella. So yeah, yeah, yeah really good, good good choice anyway. The great, is, great is there a player that you wanted to speak with and you couldn't get hold of or uh, I'd love to have spoken to Marc Session, particularly as he had such a, you know, tragic life, basically, after he retired from rugby. I'd just be fascinated to know how how he is now and how he's recovered. Uh, yeah, he lives down in Coulier now on the, on the sort of Spanish border. Excuse me, that's my dog, dog deciding that. Rufus, we don't need your input, thank you. Yeah, Marc Session would be the guy that I'd really like to have spoken to, but he's, he, you know, with the... The background that he's had, he, he got charged with murder. He ended up in prison. More details in the book, but I think he keeps quite a reclusive life now. And um, what about Serge Blanco? I was going to put Serge in the book, but uh, I put Emil and Tamak in at fullback because Serge was a wonderful player and absolutely brilliant, one of the all-time greats. And I think I wrote, I wrote an epilogue about the players who I didn't pick and I think I put something along the lines of if I could have found an ounce of bravery in defence from Serge Blanco, I would have picked him at fullback in a heartbeat. But I thought Emil Tamak was a fantastic athlete. And, and obviously it's, it's proved in his DNA that now his sons are, are following suit. So, yeah, interesting story from him and his family as well. And, yeah, so... Plenty to discuss, plenty to read about, plenty to argue with. But, you know, that's that's what we love about the game, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. Un, deux, trois, quatre, cinq. That reminds me, you know, there is a under, is it under 21 championship taking place now? There is, yeah. I haven't followed it in great detail, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I think they're showing the internationals live on YouTube. So, yes. um, yeah, pop in and have a look at those if you've got any spare time between all the other sporting events that are going on. Exactly. And Kiran Brackenson is playing. Okay. Representing England. And Emil Tamakson is playing as well. So, you oh, see, like terrible, you were saying, it? that's all down to the DNA. I know, it makes you feel really old as well, doesn't it? It's, you know, you, when you know that when you've seen their fathers play, and in my case, I've actually seen some of their grandfathers play, which is, which is <laughs> That's even right, more because you're 90 years old. Well, I feel it today, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> ah. So, rugby friends, I hope you enjoy our chat. Yep, thank you, thank you all for your support throughout the season. You know, we've we've really enjoyed doing this, and but without you listening, then it would be pointless us doing it. So we'll be taking a short break now, and before you know it, there'll be another top fourteen season in full flow. So enjoy the short break, and we'll be back very soon. And if you want to read anything regarding French rugby, you can read either Mike's 
Mike Pierce book, which is yep. very easy to read. I think it's only 161 pages. So it's not, not heavy like a Bible. Yeah, and, it's not war and peace, yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. And, uh, and also, uh, L'art de guerre du rugby. But it is in French, but it will be translated soon into English as well. Okay, au Great. revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir. Bye. La pendule fait tic tac tic tic. Les oiseaux du lac pic pac pic pic. Glou 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 font tous les dindons. Et la jolie cloche ding ding dong. Mais boum, quand notre cœur fait boum, tout avec lui dit boum. Et c'est l'amour qui s'éveille.